stop Googling and start listening for the love of wellness. With over 50 years in women's wellness, hosts Sam Leeson and Laurel Crossley, along with a weekly special guest, will explore gaps and issues within the women's wellness industry. If you're passionate about topics affecting women's health, such as sleep, grief, body image, and much more, then please stay tuned. Are you trying to conceive a child right now? Are you feeling a little under pressure? As the song says, did you know that infertility affects one in six Canadian couples and that there are so many factors that contribute to whether or not we can conceive and carry a child to full term? On today's episode, Dr. Jessica Liu joins us and chats with us about some things to consider when you are trying to conceive a child. Today's episode is brought to you by babyready.info. Hello, everybody. I am so excited because I get to introduce Dr. Jessica Liu, naturopathic doctor who's been on the show before. And today we're talking about fertility, which is a giant topic with super duper complex issues on whether, why, or why not you're getting pregnant. Some of us get looked at by our person and we're pregnant. Others, it's a struggle. So I was looked at with the side eye kind of woo and bam. So I was very fortunate and I know that. So welcome, Jessica. Thank you so much for having me. This is my most favorite dear to my heart topic. It's what I build my whole life's work on and I'm so happy to share. So welcome, welcome. What's happening? And okay, so my first question. So I was in the shower this morning. And I'm thinking about thoughtful questions. And my first question is, are the fertility or infertility statistics, are they going up? Meaning, is it getting worse? Mm-hmm. Yes, it's, it's getting. So it's, it's traditionally been thought to be one out of six couples in Canada. I think it's, it's probably heading to one out of five. Can I interrupt that for one second? Yeah. We say, where are these stats gathered from? Is it just cishet stats? I think so. I think we so, need to do so, better. So, we, so those so numbers probably, could be totally skewed because we aren't exactly. even taking into consideration the 2SLGBTQIA community. I 100% agree. Okay. I think that's a okay. completely underserviced, unmonitored. And that's that's certainly something that we need to do more, more work on for sure. Okay. And just, mm-hmm. th- thank you. I just wanted to clarify. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Yeah, I don't, I don't my story, I my hormones were a nightmare and this is probably where I got into this. And you know, in my 20s, I I had I was on I put on every manner of birth control pill. I had crazy cystic hormonal acne. I was lactating in my 20s for no reason. And I remember I was seeing, I don't know, third, my third or fourth gynecologist at that point who basically looked at me for two seconds and said, well, you're going to have a lot, a lot of trouble conceiving. And it, and it just got into my head. And sure enough, as we were trying to have a baby, we lost our first one. And I, it was, it was difficult. It was traumatizing. That's, that's a common story. You know, one out of three pregnancies do end up as a miscarriage. It's not that uncommon, but we're just sort of told, assumed that it's, it's supposed to be easy. And then when it's not, it's, it's then I, I do find that as I see, I do see a lot of, you know, cis hetero 
couples in my practice where the woman takes on the burden of the, what's wrong with me. Whereas often I find their partners are very much more, it, it'll be fine. We'll just, we just keep trying. It's going to mm-hmm. be okay. Whether women are just, you know, we are more proactive about our health, perhaps we, we want to dig and find that root cause, but the burden of the stress is definitely higher. I have some couples who go, you know, they're going through IVF, IUI, and statistically they have rated it as the most stressful experience of their lives. That level of stress is the same as getting a cancer diagnosis or having gone through a heart attack or some, some big health crisis. It's crazy. Yeah. And we put the onus on the person who wants to conceive because they're going to be the host. And so the non-birthing parent or the person who is helping get somebody pregnant is really just expected to, well, I just have to show up and perform. And so there's really no stress on me. So it doesn't really matter how my body is functioning or what I put into my body or how active my body is. Yep. Right. Yeah. It's so true. And, you know, simple things like smoking is a high correlation of its impact on sperm health and egg quality. And I I do have couples who struggle giving something up that they're needing to cope or, or whatnot Mm -hmm. for this, this one thing. It's just like that pressure is, is too high. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting when I wanted to have a baby for the first time, my husband did some naughty things, ingested (laughs) some naughty things into his body throughout his life. I point blank asked my doctor if that would have an effect on, I didn't specify conception, um, but I did a whole bunch of pre-work. Like we went and we got AIDS tests. I said, that's really important to me. Yeah, sure. You know, and you know, I'm sure my husband was like, what is wrong with you? I'm sure my doctor was like, okay, but I wanted to have these conversations because I knew in order to hold a child in my system, we had to be at the epitome of health. Yeah. I didn't think about the mental health piece. I thought about the, the physical health only. Yeah. So there is, there, there's so many layers to this. So can we, how do we break it down? Like, how do we where do we start? Like, let's say, okay, I want to have, I want to have a child. Tell you my ideal client is the one who comes in and says, I don't have any plans right now, maybe in six months to a year. I want to get my body ready. I'm like, yes, (laughs) I love you. Because, you know, even just if we take from an egg quality standpoint, I don't like to say egg quality because there's a connotation behind that. Let's talk about follicular health, hormonal health, optimizing, right? is that it can take three or four cycles. It can take up to six months for things to shift in a positive direction. Sperm, I kind of joke, like it doesn't take as long to turn a dud to a stud. (laughs) Terrible. But because the lifespan of a spermatozoa is is a bit shorter than an egg and they get fresh ones. They're lucky. (laughs) It's it's so true though. I think we'll call this episode (laughs) dud to stud. That's terrible, but, but you're right in that there, for the burden is more on the, on the female counterpart because that the treatment duration is oftentimes longer. Sure. And unless there is something physiologically going awry on the male side of things, right? That being said, I think that we need to break down that stigma 
because it's 50% of the genetic equation and up to 50% of fertility challenges are male factor. And so we need to find a way. So I, I try to make it very user-friendly in a sense. I, I joke, I crack a lot of jokes. I say, I know you've been voluntold to be here, but this is what we can do because it's, it matters, right? What you do now in the next three, four months can have an epigenetic meaning like the way the genes are expressed in your babies. And potentially if you're, if the mom is carrying a a girl, your baby's babies, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what you do now will have a, will have an impact. For sure. And, and when I'm working with people, I'm often working with the 2S LGBTQIA community. So they're, yes. they're coming in, not knowing if they've got any fertility challenges or con- concerns right. at all. Yeah. But, and, but that's often when I'm trying to talk to them is three to six months before they're ready to get started. You want to yes. get this boat started and it's, and it's, you know, it's so rewarding for me. I've got a couple that's in this area who lives not far from here, who is expecting twins. We started talking about eight or 10 months ago and just, you know, get your ducks in a row, your proverbial ducks in a row before you even start trying to inseminate and and get and conceive, make sure your body's in the best physical health it can be. Absolutely. Um, And it's, so there's, I mean, there's more planning in my world than there is in a lot of other worlds when it comes to having, having babies, but make it intentional. But that enhancement of follicular health, that is universal, right? That because we're born with all the eggs that we're going to have, we're born with about 50,000 and then, you know, reproductive age, you're, you're recruiting maybe, you know, eight to 12 or more, hopefully follicles per Mm -hmm. cycle for that one good one. Right. Yeah. So you want to put that effort into the the last few months of maturation of that follicle. Sure. To become your baby, you know? Yeah. It's so cool. It is. I just like the nutrition, the nutritional (laughs) impacts. I'll give you an example. Like vitamin D is such an easy one because we all want to take vitamin D now, right? If, If anything we've learned from the last two years is get your vitamin D in order. 100%. But I read a study that, you know, it, it can reduce risk of endometriosis. It can obviously support follicular health and egg quality. It can reduce baby's risk of being on the autism spectrum by sixfold. Wow. If vitamin D is normalized or optimized in a mom. And it's a simple test. It's like, just, wow. just make sure you're, you know, above a 90, you know, breast cancer risk reduction risk reduction if vitamin D is above a 90. So important. It's just such a simple, cheap supplement, safe, you know? Yeah. So, you know, these, these are things that I want to empower my clients with because a lot of the times wherever they are in their fertility journey, all of a sudden doesn't feel like they're in control, right? They're in the labs. They're getting poked a million times. They have to be poked and prodded told one to have intercourse, told one to show up. They feel like something's wrong with them. The worst, the worst is actually being told you have unexplained infertility. So back in the early nineties, um, unexplained infertility, I think I read a study like accounted for like over 90%, like they just hadn't figured it out. Right now it's much better. Maybe 15, 20% is considered unexplained, but that's a really frustrating diagnosis. 
basically means like, we have no idea. We're just going to throw everything at you and see what sticks, like throwing spaghetti on the wall, right? Um, Mm -hmm. And for me as a naturopathic doctor, that's just simply not good enough. Is, Is there an issue with environmental toxicity? Is there a hormone dysregulation? Do they have progesterone deficiency? Are they exhausted? Are their adrenals not working right? Is their thyroid gland not optimized? You know, what's the stress like at home? How's their diet? All of these things matter to a diagnosis like that. And I think, you know, I'm going in my mind to movies. You know, it's a joke. If you can't conceive, it's a joke. Like, okay. And the woman, it's always the female. It's always, you know, a hetero couple. And it's always like, okay, we got to do it now. Yeah. Yeah. And they make a big joke about it. And it's so insensitive Mm -hmm. to everyone involved in this. Yeah. Intimacy becomes just so strained. Mm -hmm. It becomes so robotic, right? Mm -hmm. So in my practice, the first thing I do is I teach cycle awareness because A, I want, I want the couple to feel empowered. Fertility is just, is a shared experience. So I actually get both partners to chart together because they they can then place equal value on their fertile days and their non-fertile days because the non-fertile days allow you to have spice. The non-fertile days allow you to have connection and intimacy and it will help to clarify those fertile days. I really like, you know, when your endorphins are high, when you feel good, when your pleasure centers are activated, the, the chances of conception are actually better. Right. And, and then cycle awareness is, is magic because A, it empowers the couple. B, it's free. <laughs> They're just making wiping observations every day. Right. And it, studies have shown that in just cycle charting alone, this is not even a single supplement taken and increased chances of conception by up to 90% after three months of charting. So that's, that's how I start. Super wow. We always talk about fertility in terms of getting pregnant. But I think what, one of the things that you've just mentioned that's equally important is when not to get pregnant. 100%. I, I talk to people all the time yeah. and I'm feeding my baby from my body when I'm working with, with cishet couples. I'm feeding yes. my baby from my body. I haven't had a period yet, so I can't get pregnant. Stop. Right there. Stop. Do you and know how many times question, I've had the whoops. question? Which comes first, the chicken or the egg? It's always the egg. It's always the egg. And you don't see the egg. The egg is invisible to you, but you yep. will always ovulate before you menstruate. That's what triggers menstruation. Yes. But people don't Hallelujah. understand their cycles it's and they're not taught. They're not we taught. We do health classes out the wazoo in high school. We teach them how to put condoms on and good. We need to. Don't get me wrong. We need to teach them how to put condoms on, but we also need to teach them what their body does. Yep. From because because that can only fail on your fertile days, right? You can only get pregnant unknowingly on -hmm. your fertile days. Right. So we need to start, you know, that's my sort of mission is to get girls to normalize this idea of cervical fluid and making those wiping observations and to celebrate that Mm -hmm. and not be grossed out by it. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, no. You know, yeah. I remember totally. with the conception of my second, I went to a dinner party and I was sitting there and I said, I just want you to know tonight's the night that we're going to have, we're, we're going to get pregnant. Okay. 
Yeah. They're laughing and laughing and laughing. Three weeks later, I said to my husband, go get a pregnancy test. He goes, what? I said, go get one. And I went over to my neighbors. I didn't take the test. Uh, and I said, I'm pregnant. They go, get out. I went, <laughs> I know my you body. Knew. So well, yeah, I knew exactly. And I read one line in a something or other. And I went, oh, okay. Is that how it's done? All right. Tra-la-la. And that's, but I knew. Yeah. And there, it was really you powerful. You already had my that husband, awareness. My husband thought I, you know, I was some sort of sorceress, you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, uh, and, and we laugh, we tell our son this all the time, you know, he'll be 23. Yeah. So, you know, we like to tell him that little story. So you've mentioned stress. I'd yes. like to talk, you know, for the next couple of minutes before, you know, we wrap up. Yeah. How, how has stress or how does stress for, affect this and how, like physiologically, psychologically, yeah. and how can we support those that are interested? So in a lot of the studies on stress are in relation to IVF and the data out there is a little bit wishy-washy. So you're going to see some studies that show a definite correlation between high stress hormones and poor outcomes. And then you're going to see some studies probably purported by the IVF clinics that say, nope, there's no correlation. doesn't matter. I can tell I've been doing this for almost 17 years. I can tell you without a shadow of a doubt, it does. Um, in the experience of the mom, in the, in, in the potential risk to baby. So there's actually increased risk of um, growth restriction and hormone dysregulation, allergies, different things when mom, her stress levels are elevated. And just in, from the emotional trauma sphere, I, I'm doing more. I want to write about this and publish on fertility PTSD because nobody's talking about it. Up to 50% of couples going through IVF meet the diagnosis for post-traumatic stress disorder. That is not okay. No. That's garbage. Like That needs to be sorted. We need mm -hmm. to give support in that area right from day one. So we, I, I do that a lot with my clients is we, we talk about how do they feel in their bodies? What is their relationship with their bodies now? How do they feel in their relationship with their partner? Do they feel supported? Do they feel like aligned with themselves? Do they feel like they've lost a piece of themselves in this journey? And that has to be reclaimed. So while we're doing that prescription-y stuff, everybody like, tell me what supplements to take. Yes, but I want to talk about your heart-womb connection too. That's equally important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, I look at it because, you know, I'm the child studies person over here. Um, yeah. The uh, increase in, um, you know, if a mom's stressed mm -hmm. on, from an infant mental health perspective that, you know, the, the, the chances or the likelihood of a child you know, later in life, developing mental health situations because mom is stressed 100%. right from conception. Yeah. Like we're not talking like even preconception, you know, if your stress isn't under control, under control, yeah. you know, supported in a beautiful yeah. way, yeah. then um, it will affect the emotional well-being of the child, the, the, the yeah. growth of the brain. Exactly. You know, so it's yeah. all tied in. It's not even the birth process. It's the conception process yep. is where my head is. And I know, Jessica, you and I have talked about that you know, yeah. before, um, but we don't consider that aspect of it. We think, yeah. you know, let's just get pregnant. It doesn't matter about anything else. And I wonder, um, statistically speaking, because I love stats, how many couples 
when they go through this process, this infertility, fertility process actually split right. because it's of such everything. A, so taxing on the relationship. Mm-hmm. And even mm-hmm. just from a standpoint of mom's risk for postpartum depression, I had that with both my babies. Mm-hmm. And it was because my hormones were dysregulated going into the whole thing. Sure. And there's a preventative piece there, I think, not just like waiting for it to happen when mom is like so blue, she can't get to the next day, you know, and there's such a lack of support there, such a lack of support. There used to be funding for postpartum depression moms, and now that's, that's been pulled and that's just so sad, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, I don't know where we rate on the whole medicinal scale. If there is a medicinal scale, like mm-hmm. it's like, we don't even, we just go about our day we don't open our mouths. We don't advocate. We don't, we just sort of sit there and take it. Yep. We're supposed to do it all and make it look easy. Not anymore. No. Nope. Gods <laughs> and brains is on it. Lobbyists. Here we come. We're recruiting lobbyists advocate. now. <laughs> yeah. 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 Something needs to change. Mm-hmm. Something needs to change in order for our planet. And that sounds really grandiose, but for our planet to be healthy. And well, and populated with healthy well beings. So we can navigate through a pandemic like we have been. That's right. You know, with confidence and arriving more healthy uh, on this earth. Wow, what the heck soapbox am I on right now? I'm sorry. (laughs) So important, though. It is. There's a lot of fertility clinics that offer all kinds of um, counseling and things like that for genetic counseling. And you want to get pregnant, you've been struggling to get pregnant. And then you get pregnant and it's like, okay, well, See you later. You go. so I'll refer you to your midwife, your family doctor, or your OB, who, who do you want me to call for you? And then, yeah. and then they're gone. And yeah. And the support network There's no processing. Gone. No. Yeah. I have a lot of IVF moms who it's only after they deliver their baby. It, they, it's then now that the processing of all that trauma comes in. Right. You know, yeah. and there's yeah. so if we that, could give the better support throughout for sure. hundred percent. 100%. Okay, Jessica. <laughs> so much to talk about with this. I know topic. we have a minute left. So can you tell everybody how we can get in touch with you? Yeah, that's so sweet. So my clinic, lakesidenaturalhealthcenter.com, um, we just really are so focused in supporting families through all stages of their fertility journey, whether natural or you, you know, you've got your IVF, you know, transfer coming up. Um, we can do that connect with me on the fertility ND on Instagram. And um, for those who are interested in, who are in the healthcare realm, if you're interested in learning more about cycle charting and a restorative approach to fertility, fertility continuing education. So fertilityce.com is where you can find the course that I created. Um, And it's, it's, it's a six hour, it's a fully accredited and it dives into weaving in the pharmaceuticals and the botanicals and the Chinese medicine all in sync with a woman's cycle. And so we're being able to really time our treatments strategies with a lot more accuracy and better results. I love, love that. Yes. And of course we want more babies because healthy babies. babies. I know me too. It's, it's an addiction. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Thank here you today. so much, ladies. Thank you for blast. being here. It was great to chat with you. Thanks for listening to the Boobs, Bods, and Brains podcast. If you would like to learn more about us or our past episodes, then check us out on Instagram. 
click the link in our bio to visit our website to learn more about sponsorship opportunities. We are always excited to have you offer different show topic ideas. If you have a suggestion, reach out via Instagram or our website. And as always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Boobs, Bods, and Brains podcast and invite all of the women you know.